the South Coast End Zone Podcast. Extended coverage of high school football from sports editor Lori Lose of the Standard Times. Now, the South Coast End Zone. Hello, alongside sports editor Lori Lose, I'm digital sports editor Brennan Curie, and we are ready to talk some playoff football. Playoffs. After seven weeks of the regular season, uh, we have five teams that we cover that are Still in postseason play, and then uh, four more teams competing in the non-playoff side of, uh, I wouldn't I don't know if I call it the postseason, but the remainder of the season. The non-qualifier tournament, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's or? always fun to try to word that. Yeah, it's, it's always a little tricky. We try not to call it the loser's bracket. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a couple surprises. Uh, you yes, know? Uh, New Bedford got in despite losing on uh, week seven to Brockton, and uh, Dartmouth getting a home game. Yep, that and was that was kind of a, a little bit of a surprise. Yep, know? and then Wareham uh, leaping over St. John Paul to get the number one seed. Yeah, so uh, a lot of action going on this uh, this weekend. Um, we have four of the playoff games on Friday night, and then uh, Old Colony plays their playoff game uh, Saturday afternoon at one o'clock. So, yeah, a lot of great football action to be had. So uh, some big decisions if you're trying to figure out which game to go to on Friday night. Yeah, that's going to be a little tough. So uh, we'll start to uh, the Friday night uh, coverage. Uh, Dedham at uh, Old Rochester. Um, Dedham is the number seven seed, uh, while Old Rochester is number two. And they actually had tied for the top seed, and it came down to a coin flip. Yeah. And they ended up losing that uh, one seed on the coin flip. Uh, and I think it would have been East Bridgewater, I think they would have gotten, if uh, they had ended up as a one seed. Probably what was more important is if they got to a section championship game, they would have been home. Yeah, yeah. The, that, that home field advantage is definitely key. I know uh, with Wareham, that's that's why they were so excited about getting that top seed is to to have that home field advantage if they get that far. So Absolutely. Being on the turf that you know in front of your home fans uh, with your home announcers and just you know, kind of being in your own locker room, you know, even at halftime, you know, those types of things really end up adding up. Yeah. Well, uh, Old Rochester did it again this past week against Seekonk. Uh, I know we were kind of going into that matchup, not sure, you know, Seekonk's passing attack against Old Rochester's rushing attack and the Bulldogs just keep pounding the ball. We got a definitive answer. (laughs) Yeah. Keep scoring. Uh, they put 47 points up on the board. Uh, Harry Smith had, uh, four touchdowns and over 200 yards and, uh, Will Garcia, three touchdowns and just over 150 yards in that game. Those two guys, uh, have 2000, over 2,220 yards combined and 34 combined touchdowns. Earlier this afternoon, uh, Lori asked me, we were sitting at our desk, and she's like, how many yards per carry do you think Will Garcia is averaging? And I thought I was being pretty generous, and I said, I don't know, what it was, seven, seven point yeah. something? And uh, she goes, well, Harry Smith is averaging over 10. Or nine. nine, or nine okay, average. nine, right around 10. And uh, so I was like, uh, 10 for Will Garcia? And I still wasn't right. No, 14.2. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, those guys are getting it done. And I talked to Justin Kogler the other night for this preview for the game, and I said, you know, you know, you kind of knew what you were getting with Harry coming into the season. He had had, you know, an outstanding year last year. He was on the cusp of become, becoming the school's all-time touchdown uh, leader week one. And I said, but Will, I mean, did you expect this kind of year from him? And he said, well, you know, I knew he would produce on the perimeter. He said, but what's really surprised me is is the way he's been able to, to run up the middle and just he's had a lot of success kind of in between the tackles. And he said, I, I didn't expect that, you know. So uh, and it's really kind of opened things up because – Teams were focusing, you know, on stopping Harry early on, and and then Will kind of made them pay, and now they kind of have to, you know, 
focus on both of them. They can't, <laughs> it can't just be one. Uh, so I think, I think we ran a week two headline, pick your poison. And it's still true. Yes. Yes, def- definitely. That is the case. Um, and they're playing a Dedham team, um, that competes in the, uh, the Tri-Valley League small. Uh, they ended up, uh, ending the season on a two game winning streak after, uh, losing three of their first five games. Um, so, you know, this was a team that kind of had to win at the end to get in and they've only scored more than 20 points once. Um, and that was beating Bellingham 42, 22, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, but they have a little bit of an interesting situation. They had two different guys playing quarterback um, this year, Martin uh, Liam and Ryan Flaggerty. Um, but Flaggerty ended up, um, he was last year, he was the starter. He finished the year as a starter. And then this year, he kind of had to battle uh, Martin for that starting job. And he didn't really earn it until maybe halfway through this, mm-hmm. this regular season. And they go to both guys. Um, one's a righty, one's a lefty. Um, and they, uh, they rotate a couple backs in, um, Nigel Hill, uh, and Tyler, uh, Martell, um, are two of their top backs and they, they run a variety of formations, uh, Justin Kogler was saying. So he said they kind of have to be ready, you know, for a little bit of everything. You know, he said one time they'll line up and they'll, uh, run power and then the next snap they're in a spread. Mm -hmm. So he said, you know, they kind of keep their, their, uh, you know, the defense kind of on their toes a little bit. So um, but uh, and Old Rochester know. has faced a lot of different attacks during the course yeah. of the regular season. I mean, from from Wareham's triple option, where everyone pretty much everyone's on the line, to Somerset yeah. Berkeley and Seekonk who like to throw it a ton and spread it out. So yeah, and uh, this is actually um, Dedham's first uh, playoff berth um, in, under the new format. Um, oh, well, congrats to Dedham. Yep, and the last time that they played in a postseason game was 1988 when they lost to Brockton in the Division One Super Bowl. I'm going to guess none of the kids on the team right now were even alive. <laughs> No, def- definitely. If they, if they, they were, are. they stayed back many years. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that game uh, is Friday night. Dedham is visiting Old Rochester at 7 p.m., and that's a Division Six South first round game. All right. That should be a good one. All right. Uh, another big playoff game. Uh, Hull is uh, uh, coming to Wareham on Friday night at uh, 7 p.m. in a Division Eight uh, South first round game. Uh, you know, Wareham had that exciting game the, this past week at Somerset, and I mean, it was you were at I, that. I one. was at that. Luck, I, you know, I drew the lucky straw there. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was a thrilling game. Um, nobody, you know, predicted them to win, including myself, which I was called out on that a few times <laughs> before and after the game. That's uh, all right. It was it was the bulletin board material that you provided yes, that inspired that moti- them yeah, to victory. That, that motivated them. Um, but you know they beat a bigger Somerset team, you know, in size and in numbers, and uh, you know, and they 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 just they were motivated. I mean, they they didn't give up. They it was I'm trying to think of how much time was left. Uh, I think it was about a minute and a half because we had an issue with the scoreboard, so every, <laughs> the score was actually kept on the field. Uh, and they drove down the field, and Isaac Nazimento um, got him in there. You know, he said the, his team in the huddle said. Hey, lead us, and you know he did. You know that's he, what he does. Yep, and um, and it was just kind of a you know just a really dramatic uh, way to come out and win it with what was it? I think eight or nine seconds left, and and punch in the touchdown, and just you know everybody went crazy, and it was wild. Um, but I was uh, in the New Bedford press box and uh, writing up my story, and somebody else goes, "Oh, uh, Wareham won. Uh, it was a twenty-eight twenty-one." Uh, yeah, like 28, 21. 21. Yeah. And I'm like, are you sure? Cause I think I saw Lori tweet with about five minutes left that it was like 20 to 14. 
Yeah. Did they really both score in the final five minutes? Yeah, it was pretty wild. Somerset went down and, and scored uh, to go up 21-20, uh, you know, like I said, with about a minute and a half left. And the quarterback ended up, you know, on the, the last, you know, the play that he scored on, fumbling the snap. And then he, like, got the ball and then, like, you know, punched it in. And then, you know, here we where him comes down, it's like, oh, what are they going to do? And then, you know, Isaac had a really nice, uh, you know, pass down the sideline uh, to Legend Fernandes, and that got him down. I think it was within the ten, and then before you know it, uh, you know, Isaac was in and mm-hmm. uh, celebrating the the South Coast Conference Championship outright, the top seed. Congratulations to the Vikings. Yep, and uh, you know, this year Isaac uh, has nineteen touchdowns. He leads the area right now. Uh, Slim lead there. I think it's right. Uh, was it Harry with uh, or Wills with seventeen? Yeah, they both have seventeen. And Harry, okay. yeah, they both have seventeen. And he's just uh, he's got over a thousand rushing yards. We're not exactly sure um, because we're missing one week's uh, rushing stats for for Isaac. But I think we have him a little bit over a thousand yards, so it's even more than that. Yeah, we're um, with a thousand seventeen minus one game. Yeah, so, so it's probably over eleven hundred at least, yeah, if definitely. not closer to twelve hundred. Um, but I mean, this kid has been able to get the job done. He's also thrown four scoring strikes. I mean, he's just so versatile. And um, what Coach Bob Lomp was saying to me was that he's also, uh, you know, unselfish. You know, this is, you know, he goes over to the sideline to kind of get the, you know, the call, you know, whatever it is. And he's telling Lomp, like, hey, I want to give it to, uh, uh, you know, Elijah. I want to give it to whoever. And and at some point, Bob has to say, well, I want you to carry the ball this time. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, he, he doesn't get a lot of uh, recognition for it. But he said, Bob was saying that um, he's one of the better blockers on the team. You know, and in the, that kind of offense, that's what it starts with. It starts with the blocking up front. Absolutely. You know, um, and, and also uh, Bob was saying that Eric Zine, who, you know, is the quarterback doesn't always play at quarterback because Isaac's in there sometimes, but uh, he's been an outstanding blocker um, for them and really opened up some holes and kind of sprung um, Isaac and Elijah and some of the other guys um, on some of those big runs. And you don't always get all and that. Zion allows him to move Nascimento around yes. a little bit too. So, yeah. you know, I've seen in different quarters sometimes they'll move different guys around. So Zion will be under center and then Nascimento will be under center yep. and vice versa. And that probably uh, gives different looks to the opposing defense. So they're not quite sure. And they got to identify where everyone is. Yeah. And I, and the game last week against Somerset, uh, you know, in that game, Isaac started under center and played the first half under center. And then in the second half, you know, you know, was, was a running back, you know, so it was kind of, and against Case, one of the game I covered before that, it was the first quarter he was under center, and then yeah. they moved on under center after the first quarter. So yeah. definitely mixing it up there and that uh, keep defenses on their toes. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this whole team, uh, you know, they've kind of, you know, had an interesting year. Um, they ended up opening the season with back-to-back wins, um, but they've lost four out of their last five games. But despite that, uh, they ended up beating Carver a couple weeks ago, um, who's a higher division team. And that ended up uh, clinching the playoff berth, uh, the first in at least 20 years. Wow, so we got uh, a couple opponents here that yeah, uh, don't that, have much playoff experience. Yeah, you know, and um, uh, the Pirates uh, have a uh, two, two-way threat um, in quarterback uh, or two-way threat in uh, Christian Oliveri. Um, he was a defensive back uh, last couple of years, and now he's playing linebacker. Um, he's also a running back, and uh, he's a pretty good kickoff returner. He had a 80-yard kickoff return for a touchdown against Whittier Tech earlier this season. And uh, Trevor McDonald is the quarterback, and um, he also plays both ways. He plays safety as well, and he's Down really in Division progressed. 8, I bet you see a lot of kids playing both ways. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Wareham does it with almost every position. Yeah, just about. And 
uh, I mean, they do have bigger numbers, uh, Bob was saying, um, you know, than Wareham, but I think pretty much everybody Wareham has played this year <laughs> has had more, more numbers. Um, but, you know, it's, I mean, it's going to really come down to can Hull try and slow down Isaac? I mean, yeah. nobody else has really been able to do it this year. I mean, even in the loss week one to Old Rochester, I mean, you know, he was he was he was a threat out there i mean he scored a few touchdowns on the ground then he threw for, i think he threw for one or two in that game yeah, and i mean the only time they lost it was because they were outscored not because yes. they didn't score enough yes so uh yeah i mean the defense uh they're allowing about 20 points per game uh, and the offense is uh averaging just over 34 about 34 and a half so uh you know this will this this could be a, a shootout well not a shootout but a, you know <laughs> Wareham could put up some more points Definitely. this week. So uh, that game is Hull at Wareham uh, Friday night at 7 p.m. in the Division 8 South first round matchup. Really quickly, one thing I thought was a little interesting with that was uh, Wareham was able to leapfrog St. John Paul despite St. John Paul not losing a game this season. I was I always feel bad for a team that goes out, goes undefeated, and doesn't get the one seed because it's like, what more could we have done? Play tougher teams? Well, but for the kids on the yeah. team, they don't yeah, get to no. pick the schedule. Yeah. So they went out, they won every single one of their games. I was talking to Bob Lomp about that, and he's like, you know, that happened to us a couple times in Aponiquid. Yes. So he's been on both sides of that coin. So Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's... A- it's it's a new position though for Wareham really to have that top seed. They were number four last year, and then they didn't make it the previous couple years uh, under the yeah, new format. Three in a row before that. Yeah, and so uh, so you know, I mean, hey, they they worked hard. They they you know. Oh, they certainly earned it too. But uh, you gotta feel a little sorry for the St. John Paul kids. You go, what more could we have done? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, next uh, playoff game, that's a home game on Friday night. Uh, Nosset is visiting Dartmouth at 7 p.m. in the Division Four uh, South first round game. Uh, the Indians are the number four seed. Nosset is number five. They both have three and four records. Uh, Only three teams in that uh, division end up with winning records this year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, Dartmouth ended up uh, having that thriller uh, last week against Barnstable where they, uh, you know, came back and they won it 28-26 uh, had a key stop on the two-point conversion to, to preserve the win and uh, just, you know, real thriller. Uh, I was at the Wareham game and I'm getting text messages from Rick White <laughs> saying we won 28-26 exclamation point. I'm like, wow. Must have been an exciting game. Yeah. It's a little interesting to get text. Uh, Rick White's not exactly an exclamation point guy in real life, usually. Yeah, uh, at no. least when we're talking to him. So, so. I knew, knew how excited he was with that game. And, uh, you know, that really, you know, solidified them in the playoffs because I know going Certainly into, earned them the home field. Yeah, you know, I mean, we were kind of, they were on the bubble, I think, going into that game. I want to say they were like the seventh-ish seed. Yeah, somewhere, uh, so, yeah. somewhere around there. Um, but, uh, I mean, I can't say enough about uh, Nolan Ellis. I mean, this kid's only a sophomore. He's uh, played in three games at quarterback, and he's had five uh, touchdown passes and two rushing touchdowns and just really shown a lot of composure, especially for a for a sophomore, you know, somebody that's out there playing varsity action, playing tough teams. You know, it's not like, you know, it's easy opponents that they've had. And, you know, he's just really um, showing that, uh, you know, if he can stay healthy and continue to progress, I mean, this kid next year and, and his senior year is going to be, one to really watch. Um, I know last week he had a uh, a play where he really had to scramble. He was out of the pocket, and you know he ended up finding um, Vieira down uh, in the end zone for a ten yard touchdown pass. And Rick White said, "You know, it's fun because he doesn't have a lot of experience, and he's just soaking everything up, and he's just got this composure." And the veteran, you know, the the upperclassmen believe in him, and they they have confidence in him. And just to see him grow each week, you know, has kind of been fun. Absolutely, I'm uh, sure he goes home and uh, his brother helps him study the playbook a little bit. And- <laughs> Yep. Teaches him a couple of things that he learned. Uh, one interesting note with Nolan in just three games here, he is already the uh, 
well, kind of the fifth, but almost the fourth leading passer in the area. So he's right behind his brother, Nate, yep. what he put up in the first few games. So uh, And I think we're passed. missing last week's uh, stats for him, too. Oh, man. So, so he would have passed Nate then, uh, for sure, and definitely been uh, top four. Yeah, because I, I think yards. 270 against New Bedford two weeks ago. So that really, uh, you know, that kind of boosted, him, yeah. Yeah, boosted so, up his numbers. I mean, True Williams, uh, Brady Bennett, and uh, so he's probably uh, there right around with Justin Lopes. Yeah, and... Uh, Last week, though, I mean, Luke Tisdale had a breakthrough performance. He had nearly uh, 200 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Um, and re- so everything kind of came together offensively for New Bedford. Uh, I know. Dartmouth. Yep. I mean, Dartmouth. Dartmouth. You, I mean, you started talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I mentioned True Williams. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, I mean, the first uh, three games of the season, Dartmouth had uh, just 20 total points on offense. And over the last four games, they've. In three of those games, they've scored more than 25 points. So things are starting to come together. They're starting to get in a groove. They're starting to get more people involved, you know. And I mean, and they haven't had a really big running back game in a while. Yeah, I mean, this last was it, year right they here. really kind of struggled. I mean, even last season, yeah, well, they didn't have a lot they of had big Cole, but they had Cole as a quarterback as a dual threat guy, but their running backs never really seemed to no, get uh, going all season. So yeah, yeah exactly. It's been almost years two ago. years since they had a, a big running back performance. Well, uh, the game against Nauset is a, uh, a rematch of the 2014 Division Three Southeast quarterfinals. So now you were at that game, I believe. Yes, I was, and it was uh, as Rick and I were reminiscing the other night. It was the Mud Bowl. It was <laughs> uh, the field was horrible. It was just really muddy, and it was just uh, not great conditions. But I guess good for Dartmouth because they ended up uh, beating them 21 to zero and uh, going on to win the first of two. Titles. Two titles, uh, although titles. probably not too many kids left from that team. They'd have to have been a yeah. freshman. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, to, I don't know of, of any that uh, that that are at least you know um, they're actually playing. Yeah, yeah, that played much that year. Um, but uh, Nosset, uh, their wins this year have come against Coil Cassidy, the Vineyard, and uh, Sandwich. Uh, their losses have been to Dennis Yarmouth, Marshfield, Wareham, which we were just uh, talking about a few minutes ago, and Falmouth. Um, so they finished in the last five games. They were one and four. So they kind of, you know, not carrying momentum into the No, playoffs. not too much. Um, but they're averaging 19.4 uh, points per game while giving up 23.8. Um, but their uh, quarterback, uh, Bobby Joy, he's kind of a dual threat. He can he can throw the ball. He can run the ball. I mean, they mostly want to run the ball um, and kind of control the clock and you know and, and control the ball. But you know when they have to, um, you know, he's pretty good and he he's got a uh, you know a couple of rec- strong receivers and Tate uh, Seidenwand. Uh, Sherman Merrill and Aiden Sullivan. Uh, those three guys have kind of been the focal point, um, you know, of their their passing game. And um, Marquer Labarge and Isaac uh, Honeycutt are the two top two running backs, and they're a little bit different. Uh, Labarge is more of like a you know big guy that can kind of pound it in. I think he's you know over two hundred pounds, like six one two oh five, and uh, you know he's he's the one that's kind of the the uh, what do you call it the the thunder. Yes, and then uh, Isaac is uh, or is Isaiah is yeah is more the lightning and kind of the the guy on the perimeter, per- perimeter uh, you know trying to pick up uh, some of those you know outside yards going down the field and um, so they they kind of an, uh, you know a couple backs that uh, Dartmouth's defense is really going to have to kind of focal uh, focus on a little bit but all year I mean even Rick and I were talking the other night is that the defense has been so strong yeah, all year. Yeah, that's never been the question. No, you know and and now the offense is finally coming together so I mean he's, pre- he's looking pretty hopeful going into this playoff game so yeah. i mean their their defensive average i'm sure will be much lower but you put central catholic and yeah. um Raynum and, on, yeah. The, yeah, on the schedule and you're going to give them a few points yeah. no matter how good your defense is so that game is nosset at dartmouth and that is a uh, seven o'clock game uh friday night and it's a division four south first round matchup 
And uh, now going on the road to the Whalers. Yeah, New Bedford uh, got it the number seven seed um, despite losing to to Brockton last week, and uh, they will face number two um, Natick uh, in the uh, Division Two South first round matchup. Uh, Natick is six and zero. It's gonna be uh, a tough challenge. Yeah, uh, they wrapped up the uh, the Bay State Conference Hergot uh, Division Championship last week uh, with the win over Wellesley. And, um, you know, this is a team that's ranked 15th by the Boston Globe. Um, so, I mean, New Bedford's played some tough teams this year. Um, they have. Their schedule's been tough. Um, you know. They've lost to a lot of the teams they were supposed to lose to, though. Yeah. Um, and it's been... They, Dartmouth is probably their, their biggest quality win. Yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, and it hasn't really been... I mean, the big thing for New Bedford has been the consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, you know, I think you and I both have been talking about it. They haven't had a streak all no, year no. <laughs> <laughs> win one lose one lose win one. one lose you know that kind of thing and um you know which does mean it's their turn to win yes it is their turn to win so uh if they can keep the the, the, <laughs> the, the pattern other. pattern going um you know but this is a this is a team uh the red hawks they've outscored their competition 161 to 39 Whew. so they have only given up 39 points in six games um and they've only allowed more than eight once so they're not put. They're not letting teams put up too many points, and then they're scoring thirty or more uh, three different times this year. So this is a team that really, um, you know, g- kind of clamps down defensively, and you know, just scores enough. Like last week, they beat Wellesley. It was thirteen to, to six in that game. Um, but they have about three different running backs that are, uh, uh, you know, kind of they they mix it up between those guys, and uh, you know, it's it's going to be a tough challenge for New Bedford um, in this one for sure, but. I'll I mean, say this. I was talking to Mark DeBrito about it, and, uh, you know, I kind of automatically went into the, you know, well, it'll be good to build experience for these guys because a lot of this New Bedford team, they only have eight seniors. Yes. So a lot of this team, and especially the skill position guys, are all going to be back next year. So I was kind of looking at it as, oh, you know, they get a little playoff experience. They see what that atmosphere is like. They see really what a playoff game can be like and what they need to do. And Mark's like, kind of almost cut me off, and he's like, you know, we're going to this one to win it. Like, we're yeah. not going to this to build experience. Like, we're going in there to be yeah. competitive and to win a playoff game. Yeah, I mean that that's that's how they feel, and uh, I mean it's just it's amazing to, like the difference between last year and this year. Last year, at this time, they were still looking for their first win of the season. You know, I they didn't get it uh, until it was week nine cool. of last season, and you know, and talking to Mark, you know, the other night he said to me, he said, you know, coming into this year, you know, we had taken all those lumps last year. We had a lot of young guys playing, but he said, I knew we had the potential this year to have a better season because of the kids in the uh in the the weight room the the seven on sevens that they were doing he said almost the whole summer and in the off season he's like these kids were working almost seven days a week on getting ready for the season and you know it's shown you know i mean they've had some games that they've been in that maybe they didn't pull out pull out a win or you know things might have gone wrong i mean like the brockton game last week you know who would have i mean i think i picked that score 21 to 14 you did great I job did. there but Excellent i mean job. you know to to you know brockton who Year in and year out, it seems like it's always the favorite in the big three, and for New Bedford to come in and be leading, right? Yeah, in that they, they game. look like they were going to dominate early on. Uh, Shamari Jefferson takes the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. Um, they get, uh, I forget if it was a three and out, or maybe Brockton got one first down, but they got a, a quick defensive stand, get the ball back. Very first play, Nigel Palmer goes for 67 yards. Yep. Um, I was a little surprised he got caught, though. I, yeah, I, thought he could, I thought he could run away from everybody. I didn't think anyone was going <laughs> to catch him, but um, I don't know who was who made the tackle for Brockton, but uh, good job on there. And, and then uh, kind of from there on out, that, that kind of was it. They had one big pass play to, to Baron Hilton later, I think a 63-yard <laughs> touchdown pass, and then uh, another big kickoff return uh, that didn't go for points. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, and then, you know, so they were up fourteen 
uh, seven uh, at halftime, and you know they seemed like if they could just kind of hold it off, and then uh, Brockton kind of went, uh, found a couple of running plays that just worked, and they kind of had three plays or so. They just ran the whole second half, and uh, for New Bedford, a lot of it is, is the mental miscues. Yeah. Um, so if they can clear up those mental mistakes, they certainly have the physical talent to, uh, yeah. you know, if not this year, to make a run soon. Yeah, I know Mark DeBrito was saying uh, the other day that uh, he felt the pass protection just wasn't there, you know, throughout that game. It wasn't yeah, consistent. Yeah, so I think it was six was, sacks. There was five of them yeah, in the first half. And, and, and he said that that can't happen. I mean, um, especially when you look at true. They true were just Williams. missing assignments sometimes. Yeah. It wasn't even necessarily like, you know, they were trying to square up a guy and they were getting bullied on it. It was often that they would just miss a guy yeah. entirely. So some of it was a communication. I saw a couple of plays where it looked like, you know, the running back was looking to block an inside blocker and the blocker came around the outside. So it's just really some communication yeah. that needs to be cleaned and, up. And uh, I mean, you really have to give True Williams time. Uh, I mean, this kid is thrown. He, I mean, he's our top quarterback in the area. Without uh, a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, he's thrown for 982 yards uh, and 11 scoring strikes uh, this season. And uh, I mean, when you're able to put up those kind of numbers, you, you know, you you got to have the line blocking. Yeah, so I mean, he'll be at least a 1,515 yeah. guy by the end of the season, if yeah. not even more than that. And I know you were just mentioning Baron Hilton. Um, he leads uh, uh, the whole air, the whole area with uh, six uh, touchdown catches. So uh, he's kind of been the uh, you know. And he's a weapon all over. You know, yeah. you can give him carries. Uh, he's he's I would say arguably their best defensive player as well. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but Nigel Palmer uh, leads the ground attack with three rushing touchdowns for New Bedford, and uh, JJ Carrion has a, a pair of touchdowns. Uh, both were in that nice game against yard game a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, they, the offense is, uh, you know, I mean, they they've been able to put points on the board. It's just a they matter need of the to sustain defense. drive. Yeah. So many of their points come on one big strike yeah. where they don't. I think against Dartmouth was finally that one time they had a twenty was it twenty six carries or something. Yeah, yeah. They were able to pound against it Brockton, out. Against I mean, yeah. Palmer led them with ten carries and. Um, True was mostly getting sacked, and then they you know, had a handful for a carry-on, but nobody really – never really just got into that rhythm of, hey, here's five yards, here's six yards, here's four yards, and just building drives. Yep. And that game is Friday night. Uh, New Bedford travels to Natick for a Division Two South first-round matchup. All right, Saturday. Last playoff game. Woo. All right, uh, this is the rematch. This is week one, coming yeah. full circle. Uh, touching, uh, talking to um, Brandon Mendes the other night, uh, he said, you know, since week one, uh, the Cougars have had a bad taste in their mouth. Uh, <laughs> they opened the year with that loss, the shutout loss, I think it was 20-0 to zero, yep. um, to Sacred Heart, and now they get uh, get the rematch. Get them again, and they haven't lost since. Yeah, it's the Division uh, 8 South first round game, uh, 1 o'clock at Old Colony. Uh, Sacred Heart is the number 5 seed. Old Colony, um, which has won six straight games, is the number 4 seed um, in that matchup. And, uh, you know, I think that, that that opening game is kind of a little deceptive. Um, you know, in that game, Jared Gagne. Um, did, star running back. Star running back. Uh, had the flu, um, so he didn't really play uh, much in that game. And then Brad Plissy, who has kind of been all over the place, uh, he played a little bit of quarterback in that game, um, but he was dinged up, and, you know, he didn't really see a lot of action. They ended up taking him out of the game. So it was kind of you, you remove two of their top offensive players, and they get shut out. Yeah. You know. It can um, happen. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, since then, they've won – Six straight games, and uh, they clinched the the Mayflower League championship, uh, the small division, for the first time. It was it twenty years. Twenty years. Yeah. So congratulations to the Cougars. Yeah. Quite a season for them. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, no matter um, what happens from here on out, this is you can mark it down as a successful season. Oh, definitely one one to remember. Um, but they've kind of done it uh, with just a bunch of different guys. Um, you know, it's not like one kid has 
17 touchdowns like yeah. you know I mean, Gagne's a top guy he's got about yeah. 800 yards and uh, nine touchdowns nine touchdowns ground. yep and then missing one one week there too yeah and Brad Brad Plissy's got seven touchdowns uh, Matt Bumpus has four um, you know so th- it's kind of that trio of guys that have been able to get the job done on offense while the defense is just every week been really solid you know that 20 points they give up to Sacred Hearts the most they've given up yeah. all season yeah so uh, I mean this is this is something that they're really looking forward to, and I, I think they, you know, it's going to work in their benefit. You know, I don't think there is going to be, a, I don't think they're going to put too much pressure on themselves to to beat them. But I just feel like they're they're really hungry, especially you know having that one blemish yep. uh, to Sacred Heart. Um, but Sacred Heart, I mean, they opened the year um, with three straight wins, including the one over Oak Colony, but they've lost three straight, um, and they haven't scored more than two touchdowns in a game since Week Four. So it's going to be two teams going in opposite directions here. Pretty much, pretty much in that game. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I really don't see, you know, I mean, I see, I don't see anything stopping Old Colony at this point. Yeah, and all they got to do is look back at last year. Uh, yeah. Last year they lost to Blue Hills during the regular season. Yep. Um, I believe they were the five seed last year. or Either way, they had to go on the road. Yeah. To, and they beat Blue Hills on the road in the playoffs last year for the program's first playoff win. And yeah. it had been a while, since the 90s or something. Yeah, and yeah. that's what Coach Mendes was saying, was that we've been in this position before where we faced a team that, that beat us in the regular season and it hasn't gotten our, in our heads. You know, we've gone out and gotten the job done. And, and he's just... He said, you know, we've kind of been playing with like a chip on our shoulders all season because nobody thought they were going to do this. And everybody's kind of like, not to say look down on them, but, you know, haven't given them the respect that they deserve. And, uh, you know, winning that conference title and and, uh, you know, I think that they've uh, definitely earned the respect of a lot of 35 people. 35 guys who believed in them and they all uh, hang out in a locker room in Rochester. Yep. So uh, that game is uh, is Saturday at 1 p.m. Sacred Heart is uh, visiting Old Colony in the Division 8 South first round game. And that's got to be the first home playoff game in Old Colony in who knows how long. Yeah, I don't know. Because it's been know. a while since they made the playoffs last year. Yes. So. And then, you know, they didn't, then they weren't home last they year. They weren't so. home, so yeah. Uh, now we're uh, going back to Friday night. Uh, yes, for, back. <laughs> a little time traveling here. Yeah, the non-playoff uh, matchups. We have three of them going on, and I guess the big headliner is uh, Bishop Stang is visiting Fairhaven. Uh, this will be an interesting one. Yeah, you know, it's kind of uh, two teams that have had their ups and downs, had some struggles. Um, you know, I know uh, Fairhaven got a big win last week against Aponiquit, uh put 34 points on the board. Uh, you know, and uh, meanwhile, Stang lost to Fian, but scored 21 points. And they were actually yep, they tied, were at, yep. yeah, tied at halftime. And what they were up uh, some A couple point. different times in the first half. I think they were up 7 nothing and, and 14-7. Yeah, and uh, Justin Lopes, I mean, he's really kind of coming to his own this season. Uh, he had a uh, hand in all three touchdowns last week uh, for Stang, throwing a pair of scoring strikes and uh, rushing for another score in that game. And, uh, you know, he, he's an athlete. I mean, yeah. you know, we've talked. You know him from basketball, certainly. <laughs> you know, and I think he's finally maybe fitting into the offense and kind of, you know, getting that identity out there. And then Fairhaven, um, they ended up getting uh, three touchdowns from uh, Jake, uh, is it Caterix? Is that how you say it? Kadu, uh, I Kadu, thought it Kadu, was. yeah. Um, in that game. And uh, Zach uh, Giot, yeah, Giot, um, you know, he ended up, uh, you know, finding the end zone again. Um, and he's scored uh, in six of the team's seven games to date. So he's kind of been the, the consistency. And um, they really have a lot of weapons there at Fairhaven. They yeah. have a bunch of different kids who can, you know, because even guys are not Chance Nagala and, yep. you know, Brady Bennett's a good quarterback. So they have a few different yeah, guys. Yeah, I think who we were dangerous. saying that Brady's kind of what, second, maybe second. He's kind of the second. Yeah, second yeah. If area. you were to rank the area quarterbacks, uh, certainly statistically, yes. he's the number two behind Trillium. Yeah. And I think, I mean, 
the big thing that we've talked about for Fairhaven all year is just kind of like Wareham, the numbers. You know, they just don't have a lot of kids, and they're both – the kids are playing offense, defense, special teams. And some of the games where they've, you know, gotten behind, they've they've maybe given a kid a rest on special teams and had a young young player out there, and a mistake happens. And next thing you know, you're down 7 nothing, or – Which makes you know, it even more impressive that they're still winning games and this yeah. competitive late in the season. You think small teams like where you know, small numbers teams like Wareham and uh, and Fairhaven, you think kind of the, the season would trend down as they lost more kids injury, kids yeah. got more tired, everyone got more banged up, and there was just no second uh, level of bench kids to come in. And yet uh, Fairhaven won last week. They put up a lot of points the last couple of weeks. So. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I mean, this game, I think it really could go either way. I mean, you know, I, I know yeah, Fairhaven has a little bit of an advantage. because toss-up as you get, probably. Yeah, Fairhaven has the advantage because they're home and they're coming off that win over Pontiquit. But, I mean, Stang has really played well the last few weeks, you know, so. And that's not us just being homers and not wanting to pick. No. Like, this is really a yeah. 50-50 game. Uh, I was talking to Sam Schilling, who's a stringer for us, and he covered these last two weeks. Yes. He covered these two teams, and he was actually kind of excited he might be covering this one because uh, he's like, I really want to get that sense of, you know, you see these teams individually, but to really see them go against each other, it kind of puts everything in perspective and makes everything relative to each other. Yep. And uh, uh, so that game is 7 o'clock uh, Friday night. Bishop Stang is visiting Fairhaven. Uh, now we have uh, Greater New Bedford Vogue Tech is at Southeastern uh, Friday looking night. looking for that first win. Yep. Uh, six, that game is a 6 o'clock start. Um, and, uh, you know, this past week, uh, Vogue Tech uh, lost to Bourne, uh, 38-6 to in that game. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a... Uh, it was a tough one. I think we thought yeah, that was going to be a little closer. Yeah, I definitely... I mean, I know we were sitting here saying that, you know, they had a shot to, to win that game, but, you know, there was just some mistakes, uh, you know, kind of on both sides of the ball. Um, Dana Haywood, uh, I saw him, you know... God, this was probably three or four weeks ago against the in the Pontiquit game, and this kid's athletic. I uh, showed it once again. He had a, a touchdown pass uh, catch. It was second of the season, um, and this time it was from Ethan Souza. Um, and I mean, the positive is Voketech's defense shut out Bourne um, in that second and third quarters. So all of Bourne's points came in the first first and fourth quarters. So so they did kind of make a little bit of a stand there. But when you give up nineteen in the first and nineteen in the fourth. Mm-hmm, yeah. And you're 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 not used to scoring that many points. I mean that that's a big hole to get out of. Um, you know, especially on the beginning end of that. But uh, Southeastern ended up uh, they had a two game losing streak going into last week's game against Bristol Plymouth, and they ended up beating BP twenty one to twelve for their fourth win of the season. Uh, and their wins have come over Upper Cape, Bishop Conley, Tri County, and like I just said, Bristol Plymouth. Uh, while the losses have been to Whittier, uh, Diamond, and Weston. So they've scored uh, more than 30 points just once while giving up more than 30 points once. So this is kind of a team that's... Whereas Vogue has about yeah. 40 points on the season or so. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's 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 going to be a challenge. I yeah. mean, this is, you know, I, I know they try and pick these games where they, not to say an even matchup, but it, it kind of is supposed to be, you know, and this looks like another tough one. For the Bears. And across town, this is, uh, or was it next week when uh, New Bedford got its last one? Oh, yeah, they were yeah. only last year. I was, yeah. I was thinking it was uh, this this week that New Bedford finally got Yeah, no, it was the following, year, following but. week. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I know, uh, you know, it's 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 going to be definitely a challenge. Vogue Tech, uh, you know, going to Southeastern. Uh, I know originally MIA had them playing at home. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was. Yeah, against a different opponent. And then. You know, I guess maybe there was some, some kind of there, issue, yeah. and then they uh, they change it to the game at Southeastern. Um, so we'll see how they do. Um, you know, and that's six o'clock on Friday night. 
Going back to my New Bedford comparison there, the Vogue players can keep that in mind. Uh, New Bedford was winless at this point last year. Yes. And uh, now they're in the playoffs at this point this year. Yeah, so, so that's something to play for. That's how for. you can turn it around. Yeah, it's something to play for, especially when you put in that, that hard work in the offseason. Absolutely. And, and kind of stick together. Get in together. the room yep. and uh, get together quarterbacks and receivers and yep. you know run some, do some seven-on-seven seven leagues in yep. Plymouth or wherever. Yeah. yeah, what a difference a year makes, right? Absolutely. Uh, now, Poniquit uh, is uh, is the other game on uh, uh, the la- the. Uh, third um, non-playoff game. They are visiting Bellingham Friday night at 7 p.m. And, uh, you know, Poniquit's coming off the loss to Fairhaven. I know we were just talking about that. And they did score <coughs> their first offensive touchdown since week four last week. There you go. They had a couple touchdowns. Uh, Shane Cooney had uh, two touchdowns, where Chase Gorman had a passing touchdown. And they seem to have really changed their offense this year because early on when they had Brent Dixon and Shane Cooney and Kobe Desrossier was the quarterback, they were really a running-oriented team the first few weeks, yeah. you know, throwing it maybe 10, a dozen times a game. And uh, how many times did they throw it last week? It was Six, like, uh, 35. 35, can... yeah. So they've really kind of switched things up uh, with a freshman quarterback, Chase yeah. Gorman. So I haven't Six. actually seen him play uh, yet myself, but uh, – He's uh, certainly putting up the numbers, and every week when you read about him, he certainly seems like a kid who, uh, with a couple more, a year or two more under his oh, belt, will definitely. be dominating. He had 16 completions for uh, 204 yards last week, and just I mean, this kid's a freshman, so just think about you know a couple years from now um, how he'll be. But uh, Bellingham uh, opened in the season with back-to-back wins over Blackstone and uh, Hopedale and Bishop Stang. You know, I think we all remember the, the game against Bishop Stang. Uh, they've lost five straight games. So this is a team that's kind of struggled, um, you know. That's where we are, the non-playoff the teams a lot of times. Yeah. Though. yeah, A couple teams that have struggled and looking to get things on track. Yeah, and Bellingham is averaging 15.8 points per game. So they're averaging more than what Aponiquit is. But they're also giving up uh, just over 27 points per game, and they compete in the Tri-Valley League small division. So they are playing some some pretty good teams there. Um, but this is going to be a game that Poniquit, you know, even though they lost last week to Fairhaven, 34-22, to that they should be in. You know, mm-hmm. they should be, especially with the development of Chase Gorman and, and just, you know, Cooney being solid out of the backfield. Um, this is where some of those real, I mean, because the Pontiac played a tough schedule, especially yes, early on yeah, in the season. Yeah. And so maybe that's where some of that starts paying off, you know, that they've they've seen the best of what some really good teams like like Middleborough yep. and Old Rochester. And uh, did they play Wareham? No, not Wareham, but no. I think there's another third team that they Somerset. played. Somerset. Somerset. Yeah, yep. that was really tough, so. Yeah, so uh, this game is 7 o'clock Friday night. Uh, Poniquit visits Bellingham. All right, so that wraps it up. This is our extra-long edition of uh, playoff football <laughs> here, but uh, this will be the most uh, playoff teams we'll have in a week uh, yeah. unless everyone well, wins and we yeah. we have it next week. So maybe we'll have uh, but five playoff games on Friday night and three non-playoff games. So uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at SC Varsity, on Instagram, or on Twitter at SC underscore Varsity. Yes, Very, don't forget the underscore. Make that clear there. Somebody, Someone in South Carolina beat us that many years ago. Uh, on Instagram at SC Varsity, uh, on Snapchat at SC Varsity, on Facebook at facebook.com slash South Coast Varsity MA. And uh, as always, uh, thanks for listening to our podcast, and we'll be back next week.